Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the people management platform for hospitality teams. With its intuitive drag-and-drop rota planner and built-in budgeting tools, Rotacloud users spend an average of 66% less time on staffing-related admin, leaving them with more time to spend with their customers, train staff, or simply take a well-earned break. Head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to explore Rotacloud's full range of tools and features and sign up for your 30-day free trial. Welcome to a special episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. In our bonus episodes, we like to give some airtime to stories and individuals that are doing something just that little bit special. Today, I welcome back Jim Knight, rock star author, podcaster and speaker on all things culture. Coming up on today's show... Jim gives Phil a hearty and somewhat confusing welcome. Hello there, my lady. Phil describes himself... Now a 45-year-old who doesn't know his arse from his elbow... And Jim speaks a great truth. Great stellar service trumps everything. All that and so much more as we chat through what you can expect from Jim's latest book, Service That Rocks. Time spent with Jim is always revealing in the best possible way and he drops so much gold throughout our chat that you'll definitely take something interesting away with you. Please also don't forget to subscribe to the show and share as far as you can. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome back to Mr. Jim Knight. How are you? What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, just hanging out on the other side of the pond, just just chasing you, my friend, just trying to get all of the success that you have going on. Oh, bless, 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 bless. Well, I mean, I'd still have uh, aspirations to write a book and you just keep cracking them out like uh, there's no tomorrow. Books I'm talking about here. Yeah. In, in fact, I think I'm going to have to put a delay a little bit on this next one because I think I'm starting to confuse people. You know, part of it's, I think, because of the titles, uh, which we can talk about. But uh, this last one that just came out in October of 2022, and here I am working on my fourth one that I thought I'm going to be able to get done in a couple months. So, you know, we'll probably spread it out a little bit more. But, um, I don't know, man. I think you're right. When, when you're doing it year after year after year, I'm probably going to take a little bit of a break. So you want to talk about writing books, you and I, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a side convo about that. Yeah, well, I think you, you've earned the right for a break because, um, yeah, you keep churning out that, that content. And before we get into that, actually, because I, let's just tell the world, I suppose, who you are and, and what it is that you, you do. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm a keynote speaker. That's how I make my living is is speaking at different uh, conferences, engagements for either individual companies or associations, but also obviously as an author, I'm a podcaster as well. I uh, co-host a podcast called Thoughts at Rock with my business partner, Brant Menzoir, and I have some other side deals as well. But you know, the real quick skinny is I do have a music degree. I was a middle school teacher for six years and then 21 years running training and development is really kind of what put me on the map. That's where my focus on culture, service, leadership, building teams, that's where all of that came from. And uh, I've been gone from the brand uh, over a decade now and just making my living doing my own thing and playing the entrepreneurship life. So I I've had quite the journey, great career, loved it all. But um, I'll be honest with you, Phil, I really love what I'm doing now because I get a chance to impact and influence way more people in different industries that I just, I never thought I'd ever be able to dip my toe into the water in these places. So it's been very, very exciting for me, but speaker, author, podcaster, that's probably enough, right? Yeah. Well, a general A-list celeb 
in our world, at least, um, for for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the great thing I love about your story, especially in how it relates to hospitality, is yes, of course, you've been able to take your craft into other sectors, but you're kind of your 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 brand and you and who you've become are, are kind of it almost feels like you're made in hospitality as it were yes well i mean that definitely was predominantly my background my first job was at a local theme park in central florida where i'm based in the states and uh, even that i mean most of the stuff that i did there was food and beverage related a little bit when you say hospitality i also include in the hotel realm so you know so especially working two decades for Hard Rock International, they have hotels, casinos, and live music uh, venues. So it wasn't just restaurants, but you know, I'd like to say that I'm a 30 year veteran in food and beverage. Uh, but but you know, I still pull the levers of music, of education, and then I throw in the hospitality. I still use all three of those, whether it's in my writing and my speaking, and even when I do podcasting, in, any of my branding. It, it feels like I'm, I, I'm dunked in the spirit of rock and roll. It certainly feels like rock and roll is a nice uh, thread that, that flows through everything. But, you know, I want to try and provide real good, honest, uh, meaty takeaways for people. And that's where the education and the hospitality come from, especially, as you know, the work ethic that that people that work in our industry, you know, you, you can't um, you, you can't put a dollar figure on that. And they're yeah. the ones who are going to be successful regardless of whatever industry they, they wind up working in as their full-time career. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, the, the attitude is everything. And in fact, there, is. Uh, there is a little bit, I suppose a little bit around that in your latest book, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into very, very shortly. So uh, what I love also about your background is, is that like you have, you've got a very clear brand, right? I mean, you're, you're all about the rock. And for those who are only listening to this, you, you can't see Jim's wonderful background, but there's a definite nod to music in your life in, in the background there. Yeah. Well, big fan of music for sure. Um, I grew up on classic rock and roll and progressive rock was really my fave. But, you know, when you go to college, uh, not only on a music scholarship, so all my school is paid for in higher education because I was singing when I was in high school. If you ever saw the TV show Glee, that was a little bit of my life. Um, you know, maybe really? not as right. not as uh, dramatic, I would say. But um, I, I loved singing in high school. Um, I'm a pretty short guy, and I thought I'm not going to be able to play sports really well. Uh, I tried that, but just got my butt handed to me all the time. Where you know, playing in in American football. Uh, but but I had a talent that I could be on stage. I could speak. I could sing. Um, I could act a little bit. And uh, I said, let me see if I could do something with it. So at the very least, my college was paid for. So the, the love of music, going to a ton of concerts and then getting my degree and taking music appreciation, music history, music theory, that just now throws fuel to the fire. And then on top of that, I get a job working for a music oriented, rock oriented company that allowed me to travel the world and open up properties and and explain to people in some countries that don't even know what rock and roll is. For me, that that was just like the, the perfect scenario. It really was a career of a lifetime. So 
you know, it's funny. Sometimes I feel like a poser because I don't really sing anymore. My voice is classically trained. So I could do a wedding or a funeral if I had to, but getting up on stage and, and rocking out with my buddies who are actually rock stars is just not something I get a chance to do. They might let me do a Johnny Cash as sort of a throwaway song, but uh, I don't get a chance to sing. I'm not a player. I have four or five guitars hanging on my wall. And, um, you know, never really stuck with it to play it long enough. When I was in college, I played piano enough that I could fake my way through it, do what I needed to for the class. And then that was 25, 30 years ago. I stopped doing that too. So, you know, although I'm not, um, I wouldn't ever claim to be a real musician. I just am a lover of music. Uh, and, and I've just been dunked in rock and roll you know, for 25, 30 years of my career. So I think when I came out of the hard rock world, I probably needed to rely a little bit on that, but I've weaned myself off of, of that brand. But now I've created, I think, my own brand. And hopefully it's natural. You know, you don't want it to be too themey because people see right through that. It has to be authentic. And so, I don't know, I've just been lucky enough to play in that space and, and, uh, I, I think it's a good way to get some stickiness for some of the ideas that I want to parlay to people. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Uh, the authenticity is the name of the game, right? I mean, when you're trying to create a brand and you ooze rock, like every part of your being oozes it. Um, and you've taken that through into obviously the, your your books, which yeah. um, seems like a nice segue. Well done, Phil. Um, yeah, awesome uh, job. So let's talk books. You've you've obviously been on, and we've spoken about a couple of your previous books before. The your original culture that rocks. Yeah. Uh, second up was leadership. Oh, very good. Look at you. So again, if you're only listening to this, Jim is very prepared. He's got uh, pictures of his. He's got. He's actually putting books in front of my eyes right now. And what's the? Now you're onto your third book, as in you have released it. Um, so tell the world what it is and, and what it stands for. Yeah, so uh, maybe a quick 20-second uh, synopsis of why I even did it. So my first book, which you referenced, Culture That Rocks, is really what put me in on the map. I published it in 2014 after I had left Hard Rock, and I thought that was it. I only had really one book in me, and I had just put everything I had into that. It's a hardcover, color book. And, but it's, I, I would say, you know, I've had a couple of people tell me it's dense with information, meaning it's sort of their culture Bible. They like it, but boy, there could have been more in very specific chapters. And so what I did is, which, which I don't recommend, it's really a monumental pain in the butt, to be honest with you, <laughs> but I'm deconstructing that book. And I've made three books of the three main tenets from that. So the first book that you referenced uh, was two years ago. And I focused on leadership. It was called Leadership That Rocks. And that book was about up and coming and new and middle managers, because there's not a lot of books written for that level, the majority of which are done for higher level leadership, some guy or girl is running the joint, you know, and I get I get why those books are written, but I wanted to sort of fill in the gap for people that were they they maybe were a staff member three, four months ago. And now they're in charge of a budget and people and a building and whatever that you know comes with that. Yeah. The second book, which is the one that uh, came out last year, and I say last year, depending on when you're listening to this, it was in 2022, is Service at Rocks. And that's the one we can talk about today. And that's obviously about how do you get your customers, your end users, your guests, your consumers to fall madly in love with you. 
uh, you know, th th there's no secret that everything I talk about is about learned behavior. So it's about the people that you bring on board. That's going to be the success. And then the third one, which hopefully, Phil, you'll invite me back to talk about is called engagement that rocks. And that'll be all about going underneath the grill and focusing on employee engagement. How can you get now internally the people to fall madly in love with you as a as a boss, as a brand, so that they continue to stick around so that they can, again, create those experiences for the customer. So, you know, if I took those three books, leadership, service and engagement, that would make up if you put them together, a more relevant, up to date version of my first book, which, you know, you don't want to ever date yourself. But 2014 is like eons ago. We're coming up on a decade on that thing. So oh, that's mad, but, but the one that came out this last year, Service at Rocks, that's the one that is fresh off the, the presses and, um, you know, hopefully uh, pe people are enjoying it and are using it, especially if they're looking to amp up their customer service experiences. Yeah. I mean, you just can't help yourself, can you, by dropping in these uh, little rock references everywhere. I have to. Uh, yeah. I have to. <laughs> yeah. My, in fact, the tagline on here, <clears throat> the subtitle, create unforgettable experiences and turn customers into fans. You know, fans obviously being like in an audience that you're a fan of a band um, you know, anytime that I can sort of put those small little things, I think helps with the branding. But again, my interest is in stickiness. It's it's can I get people to remember at least the the, the big concepts? They're gonna they're not gonna remember ninety percent of what I say, but if they can take five ten percent of that and run with it and make their world a little bit better, then I've won. We're we're all gonna get better as a as a consumer. When I go to eat, drink, shop, stay, play, whatever it is, I'm on the haunt looking for people that do exactly what I talk about in my book. So, you know, what you're going to get with me if you do this right is loyalty. I'm going to come back. I'm going to spend more money and I'm going to tell everybody about you. And, and I got a pretty good platform. I'll go out there and social and talk about how awesome you are. And, yeah. and that's the key. People only talk about companies that rock and, and companies that suck. Nobody talks about middle of the road. And unfortunately... 90% of these companies are smack in the middle of, of mediocrity. They're in the middle of the road and people aren't going to talk about you. So my goal is to try and get them to amp up into that top category and become a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. And there we are. Another one. Sorry. But, um, Can't help it. <laughs> no, indeed. But I, um, I think it's also, it's, it's relatable and that's the, the key point, right? Is that actually by kind of you having your authentic brand running through the way that you talk about the stuff that you talk about is that, people relate to to music people relate to whether that comes in rock form or whatever kind of music they, they like to listen to everybody likes so. some kind of music i think so you know and it doesn't maybe rock and roll isn't their their jam and that's okay uh you know i see a lot of speakers that maybe use uh sports analogies uh maybe some are just flat out straight business i think for me when i left the brand um, again, I was thinking, looking at all these various industries and associations, and believe me, there's a conference and, and a group for everybody. I thought, what could I do that would really resonate with them? So I might pick two, three specific rock and roll examples, but you know, I want it to be very authentic. I'm not going to go off the rails and go too deep into music in general or, or even rock and roll. You make a great point. Maybe country you know, or EDM or, or blues or jazz is, is the thing that you like to listen to. But 
you're right. I think most people on this planet like music. So if I could just get a couple things that will get them to go, oh yeah, yeah, I totally get the analogy or the band and the brand analogy. Then again, I think that music orientation just helps out in the end game for me, which is remembering the information that I shared with you. That's always going to be the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, you you open up the book with such a, a wonderful anecdote as to kind of, I suppose, why this book even exists in the first place, because it you epitomize the whole concept of the book with that one story. So maybe you could just regale the, the story. I think you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Prin- we'll call well, it a story <clears throat> about a princess. Yeah. I start off all of my books, I think, with a personal analogy. It's in the section called Sound Check, as, as you can imagine. Before we really jump into the heart of it, I always tell uh, one thing that I think is, it really does, as you said, great word, epitomizes the, the start of the book. And, and so something happened to me probably about now at this point, five, six years ago. I'd gone into a fast, casual restaurant. This is where you put in your order and you wait and they, they bring the food and then you can take it with you. I put in my order and I had stepped back from the counter and was just waiting for my name to be called. And I saw a little girl walking up to the counter with a $5 bill in her hand. And I know exactly what was going on because I could see the mom standing over on the side. She had given her daughter a $5 bill to go buy her own. I think it was an ice cream cone is what I remember. She walks up to the counter, but she's dressed like a princess. And I say a princess, meaning she looked like um, Elsa from Frozen. So yeah. I, I live in the land of theme parks, Phil. So, you know, Disney, <laughs> you do, Universal, yeah. SeaWorld, Gatorland, you've got them all here. But of course, when people think Orlando, they're thinking Walt Disney World. And so I see little girls when I go out to eat or or go to a hotel, or certainly when I'm flying into Orlando, I see three, four, five-year-old girls dressed up like princesses all the time. They might not even be going to the park that day. It's just what they wanted to wear. Their their mom and dad said, yeah, go and wear whatever. So this was probably what was going on because it was in the middle of the day. They weren't at the park. They were at this restaurant. Little girl with a full-on tiara, princess outfit, walks up to the counter. And uh, before she even gets to the counter, there's a kid behind the counter. I say kid. He's like 18 years old. He just immediately went, hello there, my lady, in a British accent. With a little ham flourish. That, that was all right. That was a good attempt. Did I get, was that okay? Did yeah, I represent? Yeah. I don't know pass, what section of the UK I was in. <laughs> it's a pass. And so she immediately just turned around and smiled, was looking at her mom. And I thought, oh, that's cute. I, you know, I wish I would have had my camera. It was a cool moment. And I thought this kid is doing this all day long, but that's not what rocked my face off. It's what he did immediately after that. He then went, all hail the princess. Everybody, all the employees that were working on the line, the other cashiers, the person on the drive-thru, the the manager, the fry cook, they all stopped what they were doing, turned to her and bowed to her in unison, then went right back to doing what they were doing. That's when I lost my mind. I was like, are you kidding me? And so now I can see the girl, the little girl is just beaming super big. She's, She's royalty now, right? The mom is starting to cry. And again, I'm going... How much money did this cost? Nothing. How much extra time did it take? Like seconds. Mm-hmm. And I know this this is a this is a national chain. They do not do this all over the place. This kid just started doing it on his own and somehow he coerced all of his buddies to jump into the act and get involved because they see these little girls dressed up like this all the time. They said every time a girl dressed up like a princess, this is what we're going to do. 
it was amazing. And I just thought this guy's creating memories all day long. And if I had a, if I had a business that required humans to work for me, I don't anymore, but if I did like a physical building, I'd be trying to figure out how to steal that guy. I'd be trying to poach him right now because that's the type of person that's going to create memories and, and, and ultimately that's going to produce sustainability. So, you know, I'm on the hunt for that. Like I said, when I go out into my own shop land, I am looking for people who will do that and treat me unique and special. And when that happens, I'm coming back, I'm spending more and I'm going to talk about you. Those three things that I talked about before. Yeah. I, and, you know, I think anybody who's studied any bit of business at university or, or wherever you might have done it, there's always the, the the thing that they talk about, the average price of a customer, right? Or a guest, yeah. whatever, whatever the environment is. And by doing what he did, he didn't, he didn't only kind of change the the feeling of the young lady that he was serving, but also the mother, yourself, yeah. probably everybody else that was in earshot uh, and yeah. actually saw what what happened. And then you look at the 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 kind of the ripple effect of that experience. Yeah, just will probably trigger something in your head, right, around the fact. Well, I'm definitely coming back here again. And I'm not only that, I'm going to tell other people that you should go there because it's kind of cool and not specifically for the product that they're actually serving, but actually for the experience. Exactly. And and especially for me, because I have a louder voice, but you're right. I mean, think about all the people that were in that moment and and they're telling the story. Like I, I do believe somebody somewhere is telling other people about that moment that happened. The, the mom and the dad and the little girl, they're never going to forget it the rest of their life. I bet they still talk about that moment. Yeah. But every once in a while, somebody, whether they're in our industry or, or they think about what, what could I do? I can't do exactly that in, in what I do in automotive repair or in a, in a box w- warehouse company or whatever it is, but what could I do? That would maybe be quick, easy, inexpensive, but completely rock somebody's world to the extent that they're going to talk about me favorably and keep coming back to the well and spending money. So, yeah, I just I I think people who do more of that and believe me, we need more of that in the world. I mean, right now it's tough. I mean, it's tough to be in any business. It's still tough in hospitality, although that had the biggest growth in the United States in the last six months and coming out of the pandemic. But, you know, you still you still see, you know, there, there's a little bit of a lack of those types of people that are creating moments like that. So when you see them and they're they're somewhat of a diamond in the rough, you, you just want to glom onto it and you want to talk yeah. about it because they're almost rare moments where, I don't know, perhaps back in the day, certainly in our industry at the age that you and I are at, we used to see a little bit more of this um you know, again, I, I I don't want to throw any generations under a bus, but it I will just say it was extremely refreshing enough to say that's what I'm going to kick off the book with. And I wish there were more moments that were created, regardless of the age level or the industry or the business. Yeah, it's a shame that that because it's so rare when it happens, it has such a magical effect. I mean, that's cool that it has a magical effect. No question. Yeah. But yeah I mean, if it's happening everywhere you go. Then you're thinking, God, what an amazing world we live in, by the way. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, you know, if I can capture any of those stories, you know, I'm, th- this next book that I'm working on, I can't just put a list of benefits 
you know, from different companies to talk about engagement. I'm really looking for unique stories. So, you know, certainly in this current book with service at rocks, I, I only want to talk about some pretty unique stuff. I could go right down the middle of the plate and talk about customer service 101, making eye contact, having a sense of urgency, attention to detail, using a guest name, blah, 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 blah. Th those are price of admission type stuff. You have to do that. Like, like the, the baseline now, and I use this language quite a bit, you know, average, it just isn't acceptable anymore. You know, it, it just isn't good enough. Excellence is the new standard. So my goal in life has always been, I will shoot for perfection, knowing full well, I'm never going to get there. I'll settle for excellence. So shoot for perfection, settle for excellence. I think there are too many companies that are just settling for mediocre. They're, they're settling for good, for, for blase, for mech. And, and it shows in your results and your experiences. You might be able to get everybody once, but then after that, you know, if you're not rocking their world in some way, I think people are less likely to come back. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, everybody who's listening to this and anybody who's ever experienced customer service of any kind at any time in their life will always be able to recount a, a, a moment whereby you had to go to this place because of convenience or because of something else. And the experience was terrible, so you'd never, ever go back there, but it kind of served a functional uh, thing for you. Either, you know, you were just I don't know, as I get from time to time, hangry, as we call it. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, you know, so you just need to get a sandwich in you or some whatever it is. But you then, you know, that's not going to get you more than that one transactional moment if you're not offering something that's above and beyond. It might be the, the, the most kind of standard sandwich that you would ever hope to eat in your life. But if it comes with a little bit of pizzazz in the way that it's presented to you and the way that somebody cares about you in that moment, then that's the stuff you remember, right? Sorry to interrupt, but a quick word to give special mention to our sponsor, Rotacloud, without whom this podcast wouldn't even be possible. With thousands of customers worldwide, Rotacloud is already saving businesses like yours hundreds of hours of staffing-related admin every year. It's been described by its users as everything from a lifesaver to an absolute no-brainer, with one customer even saying that they'd rather stick forks in their eyes than go back to doing their rotas the old-fashioned way. If you're ready to take the pain out of people management, I highly recommend heading over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to sign up for your free 30-day trial and see how Rotacloud can benefit your business. Now let's get back to it. I think so. Uh, you know, there are probably some people that are listening that'll disagree because let's say they're culinarians. Uh, they always say that the number one reason they eat or go out or focus on any business is because of the product, because of the food or maybe the drinks. But I have just come to learn, I get access to a lot of data because of some of the associations that I belong to that has always reinforced for me service, great stellar service trumps everything. It trumps product, price, convenience, theme, technology, name it. I don't care what it is. It's always going to be the thing that people care about the most. There will be some used to the, the word convenience. You know, I guess there's something to be said about a local joint. If you had a place that was easy to get in and get out and it was a fantastic product, you know, that that makes you want to just run over there and get it. But once you have one or two bad experiences, usually because of a person, not because of a thing, 
for sure somebody's going to get the order wrong or the place isn't going to have the AC working or something might be a little bit dirty and that's going to be frustrating to you. But but you're more likely to keep still going back. But when you have a bad experience with a person, the, the services is, is mediocre to bad. I think people, I think they put a little bit more stock, a little bit more weight into it. And so I've just learned we can make mistakes on all those things I talk about, product, price, convenience, theme, technology, whatever. We can still come over the top with great service and it cleans up a lot of stuff. If you yeah. mess up on the service side, I don't think you have any hope, not not of ongoing, regular, you know, uh, sustainability, if you will. You've got to get that part right. And, and unfortunately, all those other things are, are tactical, technical. They're, they're things that can be replicated. You can steal product and you can steal my my environment. You can steal the, the the technology, whatever it is. You know what? You can't steal my people. You can't steal my humans. And so if you can't get them, then you're never going to be able to, to steal my culture, my brand. You're not going to get the secret sauce. So it's so critical. And I do spend some time in the book talking about you got to suck up the you suck it up and leave the open positions open a little bit longer. Don't fill them with just any automaton. You're, it's going to, it's going to be hard. It'll be some of the hardest work you ever do, especially in this environment, but you got to go hire rock stars. You got to find the people that can bring the thunder or be so completely cool that, that it's quiet. It's a different side of, of what I think rock and roll is. It can be quiet and subtle and it's about speed and sense of urgency and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think sometimes you've got to bring a heavy stick and, and like you said, have maybe some showmanship, some performance in the thing in the way that you treat people. And so that you're only going to get that with people who are wanting to do it. They're passionate. They're committed. They're not doing stuff because you told them to do it. They're doing it because they want to do it. They're not complying. They're just committed to the mission, whatever that mission is. So it, like I said, it's easy for me to say on a podcast, it's the hardest thing some of these business owners are ever going to do, especially in hospitality. Man, the, the, the war for talent, is, we're, we are in the middle of it. There's no doubt about it. But you got to get your butt out there and look around and perhaps even look outside the industry and go, where can I find a fantastic personality? And I'll train them the skill, but I need somebody who's going to make a difference in my business. That's how memories are created. Yeah, yeah. It feels like we, we've been talking, not specifically you and I, but as a as an industry generally, we've been talking about the the attitude versus skills thing yeah. for as long as I can remember. But still here we are. I mean, I'm 25-ish years now in this industry, and I remember talking about it when I was, you know, fresh-faced, pimply, 18-year-old <laughs> kid who, you know, didn't know, for want of a better phrase, his arse from his elbow, to uh, now a 45-year-old who doesn't know his arse from his elbow. Um, right, right. Yeah. Um, but we've sp I remember just kind of seeing this clear as day quite early on, especially when it comes to matters of customer engagement and trying to create the, the, the best possible experience for, for them. The skill yeah. is actually completely negligible in the attitude of the individual towards that particular moment. And yet here we are 25 years on, we're still talking about it. What do we need to do? Well, I mean, I, part of the reason I write some of the stories I write is to put it in front of people. It's just got to, you got to give people some examples, get some eyeballs on specific case studies. Um, but people just have to go out there and try it. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I think about the company owned uh, businesses versus franchised, you know, or joint venture. 
you know, from a franchise standpoint. So for those that don't know, you know, you might be going to a restaurant or a hotel and you think that's the brand and the, and it is, but it might be managed or owned by a different company and it's just behind the scenes. And when I say franchise, you know, I'll give you an example, working at Hard Rock, all the, all the cafes that are in Western Europe and all the Hard Rock cafes in the United States are all company owned. We can enforce certain things, but all the rest of the planet, all the hard rocks around the world, the majority of which I would say now they're probably 70, 75% are franchised. You can't tell them what to do. You can't swing a, a heavy stick. You got to use the carrot approach. You got to show them the way. All The only power and influence that I have is, is influence. I'm throwing my arm around people going, look, if you look at the results, if you were to do this and try this or change to this, look at how the company owned businesses are skyrocketing. You've got to invest and make that decision to change. So I think the answer to your question is really just putting more and more examples. Um, hopefully there are people out there that are open-minded. They're listening to podcasts or reading books that they're maybe hiring speakers or listening to speakers or just doing some self-study online. There's not a lack of information as to how, you know, how you can sort of take it to the next level. It's just a matter of, do you have the will and stepping back and, and maybe taking the time to think strategically versus rolling your sleeves up and being in the weeds all day long, or maybe doing it the way you've always done it. And, and you just, you don't have a desire to want to look at it differently. So, you know, I just think sometimes my goal is I can't get you to drink, but I can put as much content in front of you that I think is palatable where people that are going to go and munch on this stuff can go, that's an awesome use of my time. And I totally get it. And it's outside the box. Yeah. I'll give you one example. So, so the founders of Hard Rock went out of their way to make sure that the original Hard Rock servers in London, there were 41 initial servers. Every single one of them had to be 30 years old and they had to be women. No men all had to be the age of 30. And you would think, wouldn't most people go for a younger clientele? They wanted people that were experienced, already had dealt with all their family drama. You didn't have to worry about work ethic. Like that was that was what they really wanted to do. The very first server that was ever hired, her name is Rita Gilligan, and I write about her in my book. She's still alive. She's I think seventy seven or seventy eight now, but was was you know running plates and service and doing the whole thing for about four decades. She clearly, she has admitted to me many, many times, she's not that great of a server. Technically, <laughs> could not remember hardly anything, didn't remember all the steps, but her attitude and personality, I mean, she became a brain ambassador. She has the, the you know, the MBE title from, from the British court, you know, member of the British empire because of her years of dedication to tourism. And she, if she were to still be doing this, she doesn't do it anymore, but they used to have Rita Day, the last Thursday of every month in the London Hard Rock Cafe. She'll walk around in the full uniform and just talk to the different tables and sign autographs and take pictures. People love being around her. And she, she, you know, at one point she had something like four, maybe five houses fully paid for, for all of her kids. That was all off of the back of tips that she had received from Hard Rock. And she just goes, technically, not a good server, but my personality saved me over and over. So, you know, if, if there, there, maybe that's an extreme for some people. I just know that for the most part, not everybody's going to be teachable and trainable, but most are. The skill stuff is just so easy to go out there and teach, but yet we focus on it so much. It blows my mind that there are companies that still put so much stock 
in, in if somebody's done the job before, how many years they've been doing it, or can they do it exactly the right way versus going and finding somebody who's going to create a moment for some customer? Blows my mind. Yeah. Do you think it's a perceived risk? Like we need to rebrand the risk associated or something like that? Because maybe the perception is that, that it's it's riskier to hire somebody who doesn't have the skill in inverted commas. Totally. Versus, but actually, you could argue, I think, that the it's way riskier to hire somebody who's not got a personality. Yeah. I Well, first off, rock stars come with baggage. So there's probably this perceived idea. I go get a crazy person or somebody who's a little bit left of center, a little bit off center. Uh, you know, I need I personally need to hang out with people that are at the far end of the crazy scale. I I need that in my life because I know unique people create unique experiences, whether it's business or my own life. I need to be around some pretty different, interesting humans on this planet. Now, that's going to scare the crap out of a lot of people. And they, there is risk. They go, they don't have the skills and woo, you know, they're they're a little bit out there. Yes, but I would much rather, if I was a business owner, just thinking about it logically, I would almost wish if I had 50 people working for me that I had to pull back the crazy one a little bit to just, come here, brother, just pull it back a little bit so I'm not in trouble, we're not going to go to jail, whatever it is, right? I would rather pull them back from the brink a little bit versus trying to get 50 people who are pretty mediocre to go uphill to do anything exciting to get the result. Because now... I have to work harder. I have to muscle the result. I have to manage. And maybe if, if I don't have the right temperament, now I'm managing through threats and punishment and fear because they're just not willing to do it versus, whoa, pull back on a couple people. Is that scary for some? Absolutely. But choose to be ensconced in mediocrity if you want to. But then your competitors, the risk takers, they're the ones who are going to gobble up those people that have the unbelievably great personality and they'll figure out a way to get them the skill level. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think I think you talk about this in the book as well around the fact that the the cust, customer experience actually is is critical to company culture. It is. I mean, and this is the whole reason I wrote the book. I mean, I probably have if I had to guess maybe four chapters dedicated to service in my first book. So I almost believe if you're selling a product or delivering a service whatever it is, you could pick any industry. If if that is not fixed, if that is not right, if that is not what is on the straight and narrow, then I think your culture is probably taking a hit. I will forever say now, now I've just learned over all the years and all the brands that I get a chance to either study or speak in front of or go underneath the grill from a consulting standpoint and see what they're doing. I will hang my hat on people. I just think culture is a collection of individual human behaviors. And some of those behaviors are awesome and some of them not so much. And whoever's working in the business at that time, that is a culture. And every time somebody leaves or joins the band, culture changes immediately. So the goal is get the right ones on the front end and hold on to them and love on them and reward them and recognize and grow them, mentor them, do all these things to get them to stay with you. Because I also know there's a direct correlation between turnover and sales. That if I can hold on to these people that make up the culture, I will produce regular ongoing results, not one time a year budget, but the trajectory constantly goes up year on year on year. That's because of these humans that work for me. So when I start talking about culture like that, it's clear to me that service is a big part of that. I can talk about the, the, all the minutiae. I can talk about the physical building. I'll talk about the value. I will talk about leadership. I'll talk about all these other things. 
but service in a lot of ways, I think if you get that right, you're going to probably amp up your culture. No doubt about it. Because honestly, it, it, it's predicated on people once again. Yeah. And I'll, I will talk about learned behaviors all day long because I just know how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, all the way through your book, it's just it's riddled with gold and you've already dropped quite a lot of gold already on this podcast. So I'm, I don't want to give everybody everything uh, in this chat because they should absolutely just go on and get a copy of your, your book. But it, I literally it's, I'm just going to say this. I think it's your best work so far. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. No, just because I, I literally, I mean, I, you, you and I spoke to try and make this happen over a quite, quite a long period of time and schedules of, uh, I've just not permitted it until now. And I've just been so crazy. I've not really read any books in the last yeah. Well, about three, four months. And so I, I just asked you to send me over a kind of uh, bullet points of, you know, the key points that we could maybe discuss today. And you did better than that. And you sent me a, a copy of your book. And uh, let me tell you, I couldn't put it down because oh, I thought, man. I'm just going to skim it. I'll get some key points. And then I just kept kept reading. Uh, it's an it's an easy read. And I don't mean that in a non-intellectual way. Yeah. Um, I wrote it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly relatable. All of the the concepts within it are very, I mean, you talk about truth bombs, you know, people who are in business and people who are leading people and people who are just generally involved in any business that has people involved in it are going to take so much from this, in my, in my opinion. Well, first off, thank you for saying that. That that really means a lot to me. And I know we go back now a couple of years and we've done a few things together with some of our mutual friends, particularly there in, in the UK. Um, and knowing all these different guests that you get a chance to talk to and the fact that this book you think is my best work is is phenomenal. I will say, you know, on one hand, it's a little selfish for me because I wrote these books thinking I have a talk. I have a, a keynote speech. I usually do four keynotes uh, that people can choose from. And as you can imagine, they're around these topics, culture, leadership, service and building teams or employee engagement. And so my goal was if somebody were to hire me for a speech, most times people want to take away if they want a book. I've got a book specifically for that. I now have carved it out versus in the past no matter what I was going to talk about, I only had the one book about culture. So yeah. to your point, I had service in there. I think I just mentioned I have four or five chapters dedicated, but I think maybe it gets lost in that when you're trying to find what you want. You know, it can be a little overwhelming for a bigger, thicker, color, hardcover book about culture. If I'm trying to find out specifically about service, if customer services, if amping up that one area is the important thing in your world, well, then you've got a book specifically for it. You don't have to go get the other books. You don't ever have to see me speak. You don't have to jump on my podcast. You got the one book. And if that resonates to the extent that how you're saying it did for you, that's awesome. What it might do is for them to go and think about the entire collection or maybe um, bring, bring me on board and you see that topic, that speech, you get that book. But now you can come back to the well every single year and, and you get something different and it isn't overlapping. So I don't know, maybe it's because of my my focus with hard rock, although, you know, there's not that many hard rock stories in there. I actually have a chapter dedicated specifically to that brand. So I wouldn't just constantly beat people over the head. Not everybody's yeah. going to be 
hard rock, you know. But I think, um, you know, having the the diverse different examples and case studies. I talk about automotive repair and healthcare and funeral directors in there. I, I don't just talk about the well-known brands like Disney and Nordstrom and Starbucks. There's a, references to those, but I talk about, you know, one-off businesses, so, some individual lesser known culture warriors, single locations, even in my own backyard, but not just to put a spotlight on them, but, to, but there were actual things that occurred that I either observed or I knew about them that I thought, Here's a great opportunity. We can learn from the big dogs, but there's something to be said about those local places that are creating these moments. So, you know, hopefully I put enough stuff in there that it resonates with people as you sort of go throughout the journey. But man, for you to say that, it just, that, that, that rocks my world. So I appreciate you. Bless you. I, I mean, I'm in no way a book scholar of any kind, but I, you know, that I think <laughs> the, the key things for me, especially it, as if this is a book for somebody who is, genuinely wanting to try and make a difference in their business then there's a there's a shit ton of wonderful ideas and ways to execute from this yeah. book and it's not just they're not they're not like super stretch goals either they're just basically th things that you can change today that will yeah. make a difference tomorrow and um and so yeah i i, I cannot recommend the book enough i have awesome. one gripe yeah bring it it's just a quote. It was uh, in a world of vanilla ice cream, be the chocolate. I, I, I love vanilla ice cream, man. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. I, I the analogy still stands um, for me because so many people do vanilla ice cream, but a bowl of vanilla ice cream at the end of the day, there, there's nothing better. Yeah. I like, like I love vanilla as well. I think the analogy is you got to do something different. Throw some yeah. sprinkles, Rocky Road, of course, but. I'm with you, man. I'll take that gripe any day of the week because although I say it out loud, bowl of vanilla at the end of the day, pretty happy about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get the analogy completely. I totally get the sentiment behind it that, um, you know, you, you want to attract the people who are different, who are bringing color to your business, who are, yeah. you know, as you say, it's much easier to, to rein somebody in than it is to push somebody there. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, my question to you would be: um, Is there any gold that we're that we could drop now to extra entice people to go and and get a copy of your book, or do you think we've covered it off well? I think we've covered it pretty well. I mean, I I will say, and I sort of have referenced this before, regardless of whatever business or industry that you work in. And again, it's awesome because I grew up in hospitality. This is the world and probably the predominantly your guests are in that world. I'm outside of that now. The majority of my engagements are in other industries, but I'm open for hospitality. There's so much stuff that's just ripe for you. I, I think, you know, there's enough examples and like I said, case studies. And again, you've got this, this thread of rock and roll throughout the whole thing. I think it's interesting enough for people to, to jump into it. Um, and, and like you said, it's, it's an easy read. Um, and I, I, you know, I got one gripe with you. I disagree with you. I think you are a book scholar. I think you know exactly what you're talking about. You know, the good books out there. <laughs> Only because you brought mine up. Yeah. Um, well, I honestly, hate the grapes I, of wrath. So there you are. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, let's add to yeah. I'll, I'll be alienating any English literature student right now. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. All right, great the wrath and the Bible are in front of mine. But like number three for sure. Number three for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Good man. Um, well, I, how can people? 
I, I always, this moment where you ask, how can people get a copy of it? There is obviously one obvious place where people can get a copy of it. Yes. But, uh, you know, we never ever want to be uh, uh, too focused on one monopolizing organization. Is it available in other places or should they just go to Amazon? You know, I used to send everybody there because it's just so easy. And I just saw a statistic uh, right at the turn of, of 2023. We're now up to 92% of all books are purchased through Amazon. Really? And it's a bummer. Because I, I do some book marketing. I have a couple businesses that focus in that area. We support independent local bookstores. But the reality is that's how everybody goes and gets their books, 92%. But if you were to go to my website and get it, you I can give you a signed copy. And so some people really want that. That's kind of cool. I do that for free and I'll just ship it from my house. Um, so I would go to Night Speaker. So my last name, K-N-I-G-H-T, nightspeaker.com. Everything that I sell is there anyway. But if Amazon is your jam or Barnes and Noble or Books a Million or whatever, I, I forget what, what's what's a big online retail outlet in, in Europe or in the UK. Uh, Waterstones, perhaps. Okay, I, I do, don't do even know to be honest. I, 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 I get all my books from Amazon. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, so, wherever wherever books are sold, yeah. you can go. And get it. But if you want a signed copy, come through me, and I'll I'll totally hook you up. Fantastic. And I'm guessing if people want to reach out to you and, and engage you uh, in in work, uh, that's the the best place for them to get a hold Same of you place. too. You, you can see everything. I've got video clips of me speaking. You can see all the different things. I do a little bit of consulting as well. It that That's really the funnel to send everybody. All roads lead to nightspeaker.com. Yeah. Fantastic. And then the uh, the final book in the, the trilogy is, uh, well, Under Construction. It is. Say. Yeah. And actually, I just took a break. I just talked to my publisher and said, I've got so much going on and I don't want you know, here we are talking about this book service that rocks. I don't want, I don't want the new one to sort of butt up against that. I need that one to have a little bit of breathing space and let people figure that one out. And, you know, if they like, you know, all the books that I've done so far, this one will be a, a, a good final, you know, trilogy uh, in what I'm calling the culture that rocks series. So engagement that rocks, which will, uh, which will probably come out either at the end of this year or beginning of 2024. And I will have to have you on again. Yes. At that moment. I need okay. to take over as your number one guest. Apparently there's somebody else that I know very well who's got the number one spot. Yes. It's like Saturday Night Live. I think when you appear five times, you get a gold jacket. I'm, I'm waiting for my jacket, but I need to get another appearance in first. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't, what nonsense you're speaking now. There's no, there's no gifts. <laughs> it's oh, it's the joy and the pleasure. This is the gift, Jim. <laughs> Then the next time that I am on the show, I'm going to be wearing my own gold jacket. That, yeah, that I'll probably see. Yeah, <laughs> and we can claim that that was me that sent you it as well. So yeah, but, yeah, um, exactly. You take all the credit. Yeah. Well, I look forward to looking at your. Um, you you do tend to go to very nice places to knuckle down and write. So yeah. I look forward to the photos of the whatever veranda you're sitting in this time, um, that make me jealous about where you are. But um, yeah, yeah. That'll be next week. I'm actually in a river cabin in the middle of nowhere. There's kayakers that come by every once in a while, but that'll be my riding spot next week with a view and some solace. I can get some stuff done. Fantastic. Well, a pleasure as always, Jim. Thank you so much for, for coming on and telling us about your your new book. And um, yeah, wish you all the very best with the writing of the next one. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you so much. I'll talk to you soon, Phil. Rock Good on. Man. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
And there we have it, another classy piece of work from Jim and don't forget to head over to nightspeaker.com to get your copy. A huge thank you to him for his amazing insight. We'll be back next Wednesday as usual with another wonderful story from within hospitality, so until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.